Glory to, well, where I come from, when we say hallelujah, hallelujah is always a command. Every time you look in scripture, you'll find an exclamation mark after it. It's never an option. So hallelujah. It means praise the Lord. And he's the reason you're here. You better get used to it. Hallelujah. One thing I love about pastor is whenever I'm around him, there's something very infectious about you, sir. I think I'm leaving here with an impartation too. I really am. It's such a privilege and an honor to serve an August company like you. Um, it's, it's, God is doing something and he's working out the intricacies of life. He's smoothening pathways. He's sending us on assignment everywhere. I believe that the, every time you see something bad happen, some, I mean the ca- nature of catastrophic events that come, know that they have not overtaken the counsel and the will of God. Something, is ex- something has shifted. I believe something violent happened in the heavens and all we are seeing is a manifestation. I don't know about you, but I'm getting ready for some exciting stuff. I'm waking up in the morning, I'm flinging. Let me tell you something before I even start. You know, every day when I wake up, I say this. It is written of me in the volumes of your book. I have come, O God, to do your will. Therefore, I report for duty, sir. And when I have finished reporting for duty, I know, you see, this girl doesn't know everything. She looks like it, but she doesn't. (laughs) That's why we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And so I say, I report for, for training, sir. And I report for equipping. Then finally I say, I report to bring you pleasure because I was made to bring you pleasure. I don't know about you, but wake up in life and have a stance. Don't let things happen to you and respond to you. You're going to take your stance. You're going to know where you're going. Another thing I did, I promised the devil. I said, I'm a nice girl. I said, you're a bad devil, but I give you a choice in life. You can leave me alone or you can mess with me. Even if you kill me in my death, I'll be more influential than in my life because I'm just like my big brother JC don't you have a philosophy in life don't you have something that you are living by don't you have boundaries around you don't you have something that that determines and informs everything that you do that's what we're going to be talking about and pastor I noticed that you had a word with Kelvin and you told him he's a wise man could he shift to the other side he still doesn't escape me I clutch his Those who were here yesterday will know what I'm talking about. But listen, we're going to do an exercise very quickly uh, before I go on to things. You know, when we're in a a short service like this, there's so much that can be done, but we can't do it because of time restraint. But we can do it every other ways. Ever since I was a child and I grew up in the Lord, I said, ever since I was born again, I said, Lord, I know that there's going to be a multiplicity of your, of your people, and we really don't have the time. I don't like the fact that everybody is relying on somebody. My job in the kingdom is empower people, equip people to act like God, live like God, because we are made like God. Every time you step somewhere, it's God walking. Sometimes I walk my streets and I say, God walking. I am not God, but I am made like God. I'm supposed to represent him on the earth. I am equipped to be able to do something upon the earth. You understand? 
understand. And so I asked God, I said, give me ways in which we can bring deliverance, we can bring healing very quickly. And he taught me several things. And one of the ways that I do uh, 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 warfare is, is I'm really configured as an intimate person. I love the intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I love uh, the, 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 the warring for Jesus Christ. You know, every time you get intimate with God, every time you see uh, 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 God, that's a personal encounter. But personal encounters are not restricted to that personal encounter. They result in public output. They result in public service. We have too many people that are enjoying personal encounters in the temple and not going out. Isaiah saw the glory of God. Isaiah saw him. He said, man, I messed up. There was revelation about himself, revelation about his community, revelation about his God. And immediately God says, don't get too comfortable. Who's going to go for us? That has to be our stance too. Every time you come out here, know that you were fueled, refueled, fired up to go do something. But anyway, let me come back to what I was talking about. So I, I believe that we, there are people here whose bodies are ill, minds, emotions, who are messed up, who are looking for some direction, who are under attack, you know, and we can do it this way. We can do it through some warfare, praise warfare, sound warfare, shout warfare. There's a reason. You know, don't take your worship for granted. It is so important that it tells you that if you lie aloud, he says, sing aloud on your bed. Lie on your bed and sing aloud. And then he recognizes that. And then don't forget, in the same psalm, he says, and the, and the song that you release to God becomes a, a sharp sword in, his, in your mouth. <laughs> Warfare isn't just binding and losing. Man, so you can imagine. You're at the bus stop waiting for the bus. You're driving. You're always on duty, changing atmosphere, shifting things, causing things to happen. I love it. And then he tells you, Lady Sharon, he says, sometimes when you can't sing aloud, he says, just make melody in your heart to God. That's how important worship is in the agenda of God. But God taught me something. We're going to do that exercise right now because we're going to believe God for deliverance for you. We're going to believe God for healing. We're going to believe God for the fire of God. We're believing God for the energizing. The Bible says, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the kingdom of God suffered violence. Uh, and we need a violent spirit to take a hold of us. Uh, we need the spirit of Naboth that says, I'm not going to lie down for the enemy to have his way. We need the spirit of David that says, is there not a cause? So right now we're going to overthrow something. God taught me the way you overthrow things is not always to fight a combat with that thing, but sometimes it's easier to enthrone someone. So I'm going to tell you about this. So you know that David had already designed that his heir was going to be Solomon, his son. He had told Nathan the prophet, he told his wife Bathsheba, and then Adonijah decides to be king. So Adonijah just surrounds himself with leaders who will enthrone him. They enthrone him because he looks like his dad. He's a warrior. And sometimes, I may be talking about that, but I, I, it doesn't matter if I say it right now. You know, sometimes we, we look, we forget that God gives leaders who fit the season that the nations and the communities and the world is in. And so Adonijah is like his dad. 
And David is the supreme warrior. And so he thinks he's the rightful heir. I bet he looked at his half-brother and thought, oh, look at that lily-livered guy. That nerd is always into computers. And he's always he's wearing glasses. You know, he's always got a book open. Look at his hands. You, he, he's never held a sword in his hand. And he doesn't fit the profile. And so he has people who um, crown him as king. But with every coronation comes a celebration. That's why you can't, you can't say, you can't sing majesty and have your hands in your pocket. You can't sing majesty and just stand there. Majesty. No, 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 no. You're crowning somebody king. There's a celebration that goes with the crowning of a king. Anyway, they, they begin to crown Adonijah as king. And as they crown him, there's a celebration. There's a party going on. There's shouting. There's dancing. There's celebrating. And all of those. And Nathan hears about it. And he is grieved. Bathsheba hears about it. And he's grieved. And they go and they attack David and say, but you told us this was not the Lord's will. You told us that Solomon was going to be heir. And David said, calm down, calm down, folks. He says, one thing I want you to do is don't go and fight Adonijah. I want you to take Solomon and I want you to crown him king instead. And so they take Solomon and they crown Solomon king. And of course, another celebration happens. And as the people in Adonijah's camp hear a noise and a shout and a, and a celebration coming, they begin to ask questions. What's going down? What's going on in that place? And they said, Solomon has been crowned king. And one by one, everybody in Adonijah's party takes up their bag and they leave that crowning party and Solomon becomes king. I think it's about time to dethrone some things that have, have crowned themselves as kings and lords in your life. I wish I were in a Catholic church right now, they'd respond better than you're doing right now. <laughs> you know, I, you know it, there are some things that have crowned themselves, Lord. The Bible says, as I sat down today, I felt that the Holy Spirit says, be ready to avenge all disobedience. Then pastor started and to talk about pulling down strongholds. Being ready to, don't tolerate whatever you tolerate, you can never change it. It's time to crown Jesus, the healer, the deliverer, the sovereign one, the prince of peace, the great I am, the Adonai, the owner and the controller. It's time to crown him king in your life. Is anybody ready? I want, when I say one, two, three, you're going to shout and crown Jesus Lord of all. Rise to your feet right now, right in excitement. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Shout to the Lord with a voice of victory. Crown him, Lord. We crown you, Lord. We honor you. We celebrate you. Sovereign one, guard your sword upon your thigh, O God. Thou art worthy to receive blessing and glory and honor and dominion forever and ever and ever and ever to the ancient of days. Blessing and glory. Your church bows before you. Your church honors you. Your church glorifies you. Awake my glory. Awake my glory and give him praise my redeemer hallelujah the ancient of days who sits upon the circles of the earth and he rules in righteousness there's no god like jehovah who is like unto you a god who is like unto you among the gods of the heathen who can compare with you you are glorious in your holiness you are fearful in praise the god who doeth wonders welcome in this place Glory! 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 Celebrate him! Celebrate! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
I pray, God, today an intolerance of everything that the enemy does. I pray that from this day forth, you will live a life that is provoked. That is provoked. That is provoked. The anointing is waiting for somewhere to land. But it doesn't land on people who are apathetic. It doesn't land on people who have no idea what is happening. It doesn't land on people who have no determination to do something. Release your power. Release your grace, Lord. Release the zeal of God upon us today, Father, that we might fulfill, that we might desire, that we might make room for you, that you might become the priority, that we might first seek the kingdom of God and its prevailing righteousness in the name of the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, Yeshua himself, the king of all life and glory. In Jesus' name be seated. Hallelujah. I want you to go home. I want you to practice this in your car. Remember, you enthrone in order to dethrone. Well, this morning, very quickly, I want to talk to you about living life on purpose, in purpose. Created with kingdom working mind. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. You see, Colossians 1.16 says, everything created, including your life and mine, started in God and finds its purpose in God. Started in God and finds. There's nothing that God did that was useless. Everything was created with intent. He said, let us make man in our own image. He didn't just say, let us make man. He said, we will make man like us because they have to live like us and do something for us on our behalf. When God looked down upon the earth, he wanted to see a reflection of himself. Sons. He says, for this reason, the son of man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus himself said, I have come that you might have life. He, He was declaring his own intent and his own purposes. We have kingdom influence. Listen, the pastor, there's a, there's a word that provokes me to do what I have to do, to want to live for Jesus, to want to press beyond boundaries and press beyond limitations. The Bible says that in Revelation, heaven had pity on us. Heaven says, war is the earth. For the devil has come down. When heaven begins to feel sorry for the earth, you know it's a bad situation. And so I love Matthew 16, 18. I believe that the earth began to rejoice when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's a violence right there. There's a warning to hell and darkness. There's a promise of transformation and hope. The church is not just a gathering of people, but I don't want to go into the ecclesia right now, but people of intent, people of purpose, who are supposed to be doing something upon the earth. We have kingdom influence. Influence is the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force or to produce effects on the actions, the behavior of opinions of others. We want influence. I ask God for influence. This is another time if I ever am allowed to come back, we will talk about leadership. We will talk about influence. I want you to change your relationship with influence and with power. Ask God for it. 
ask God. I ask God for power. I ask God for influence. I say, God, I want to meet this person. I'm interested in the people. I don't, I'm not necessarily interested in numbers. I'm interested in the people that influence the way we live right now. I'm interested in policymakers. And if you ask God, you just might be surprised what he does with you. We have not because we didn't ask. Man is perishing. Society is rotting. Our nations are going apostate. Economies are collapsing. Wicked things are having their way in society. But Jesus said something one day. He says, look, look. The word look means to look away in order to see. The harvest is ripe. Will you see it? Will you recognize it? He said, don't say it's coming. It's here. So I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, I just wonder, is the stench of evil and perverseness that we smell in society a result of a rotten harvest. Because if you have a bumper harvest of fish and you don't do anything with that fish, you're still going to get a stench. You don't just get a stench, it begins to rot. And when it rots, it brings disease. May I put it to you that the reason we're suffering what we're suffering is that we never recognized the harvest and we never positioned ourselves for the harvest. Matthew 11 says, but if we're going to do this work of God, it requires radical action. People keen, people enthusiastic, people passionate, people compassionate, people zealous, people sacrificial. You know when you're zealous for the things of God, you are you contend, you're jealous for it. When Jesus whipped the people in the temple and he cleared it out, they looked at him and they said, oh, the zeal of his father's house has consumed it. May the zeal of your father's house consume you. But we have to understand some things, that the Lord has called us to do something individually. Whatever the Lord has given you to do reveals what you have been endowed with and therefore are capable of achieving. Let me repeat that. Whatever God has called you to do, it reveals, first of all, you look at what you are able to do, it reveals your purpose. And if you don't know what you are able to do, when you look at the responsibility given to you, it will tell you what anointing you have. Because God wires us according to our anointing. When you see Lucifer, you know in Ezekiel 28, Lucifer is described. The Bible says when you were created, and it talks about the stones with which you were created and the beauty. But it also talks about there was timbrel and harp inside of you. In other words, he was configured with musical instruments. Why? He was supposed to be do, produce worship. So every time Lucifer moved, music would come. That is an MO of God. Everything you are supposed to do, sir, you are already configured to do. Most people know more about preachers than they know about your life. Can I introduce you to some, another concept? You have no obligation to study anybody first. Only Jesus Christ. Afterwards, be a student of your own life. Know what you carry. Know what works with you. Know what your heart inclinations are. As soon as you recognize that, you will begin to recognize your purpose. How can God bring you on earth and for the one reason to fulfill something and hide it from you? It's impossible. A lot of us don't believe that we have significance. But if you don't believe that you have significance, I'm going to just share a couple of my friends with you this morning. Can you describe an elephant to me? Talk to me. Sharon? Describe an elephant. elephant big. big. Huge. Huge. So, Kelvin. Big ears. Big ears. Strong. Strong. Ugly. Nobody said that yet. 
Pardon me if you love elephants. He's got a trunk. Okay, now, do you guys know mosquitoes here? Have you been in bed with one lately? Or sometime? Can you describe a mosquito to me? Irritating. Sorry? Noisy? It's death. It carries death. Dengue, fever, or malaria, where I come from. Yes? Blood sucker? It can be very expensive, huh? When you're going to some countries, you need to spend a lot of money shooting up some stuff so it doesn't kill you. Did you notice, Small, do you notice what you did? You described the elephant to me in terms of its physique. And you described the tiny thing in terms of its impact. Stop waiting to be big before you start making an impact. You are significant. When a mosquito enters a room, nobody sits down idle. You know, when you're sleeping, daddy can say, mommy can say, daddy doesn't want anybody to disturb. Nobody disturbs daddy, there will be trouble. As soon as a mosquito enters, a mosquito is so confident, it never looks at its size. It looks at its potential to cause havoc, its potential to transform, its potential to agitate, and it's so bluffing, it begins to announce itself. And as soon as it does, maybe the mosquitoes in Singapore don't, but the ones in Africa are quite noisy. As soon as it does, nobody remains impervious. You get out of your bed and you look for a weapon and there we go let the warfare begin and you go I don't know about here but in Africa you'll find a grown man <laughs> it can make you look stupid and the thing is none of you were able to describe it not one could tell me there's a proboscis here and it has a, not one the closer you came was small it's a tiny thing but it's power packed. That's you right there. That's you right there. The mosquito doesn't hold back. It doesn't care if you're a prince. It doesn't care if you're a king. It doesn't care if you're a pauper. It knows what it's carrying. Do you know what you carry right now? We refuse to be intimidated by what we see. We are full of God. We are full of the Holy Ghost. We are full of power, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of might, the spirit of the Lord, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord is inside of us. May you have a mosquito. I actually prayed, I said, God, give me a mosquito mindset. Give me a mosquito anointing. Ah, that I realize wherever I go, God, I have power to make a difference. I have power for impacts. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. The word workmanship uh, is the word poema, distinctly put together for a particular effect. God put you together to produce a particular effect. There's nothing by chance about you. You understand, when you say a poem, it rhymes. Uh, the words are chosen for an effect. And God says, there's nothing ordinary about you. You can be ordinary if you like, but there's nothing ordinary about me. There's nothing ordinary about anything about God's creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully put together, knit together. Your persona was given to you. The things that you like and the things that you don't like. Your character is what you give back to God. Your persona is what he gives you. So some of us are more creative than others. Some of us are, are more communicative than others. Some of us are tender. We describe different parts, kinds of uh, gifts that we don't, we, don't want, we don't have time to go in. But you are God's workmanship. But he didn't just create you for that. For good works that Christ Jesus already ordained and commissioned us to be. So Jesus comes on the scene and he admonishes us. And I think this is the cross of my message right now. He says in John chapter 9 verse 4, according to the Life Application Bible, he says all of us must quickly carry out the tasks 
assigned to us by the one who sent me. All of us must quickly, quickly, quickly carry out the task because there's little time left before the night falls and work comes to an end. Look at your neighbor say there's an urgency. I did talk to you, didn't I? Pastor, I don't know if you told them to whisper. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, there's an urgency. There's an urgency. Hurry up. Let me tell you something that happens. If you keep postponing your purpose for one thing or the other, you will be irrelevant. Hebrews 1.12 says, God in sundry times, one, two, 1 and 2, in various ways, spoke to us by the prophets, has today chosen to speak to us by his son. Today is a different method. Wars are fought with weapons. They are won by strategy. Can I say that again? Wars are fought with weapons. There is a weapon of, of introducing a person, but there's something. The strategy is that God sends different people in at different times. So I was talking about Adonijah and, and David. Okay, and I talk about the seasons. I'm just going to go there very, very quickly so you grasp the importance of and the significance of what you bring at this time. Now matters. Now is important. So when Moses, David is dying, God says, he wants to build God a house. And God says, no, I don't want you to build a house. I want Solomon to build it because your hands are bloody. God didn't say, you've killed too many people. What do you, what do you mean I've killed too many people? You made me a soldier. <laughs> so it couldn't have been the war. God was at that moment taking the nation into a season of peace. Up until that time, Israel had made its wealth from conquest and war. And God was bringing them to a season of peace. When you bring people into a season of peace, you don't put us ahead of state a warrior. He's going to fight something. He's going to fight. It's like, a bit like apostles. They're always looking for wars to fight. You don't believe me? David asked. Solomon, bring me the staff list before he dies. He says, you see this person, Shemai, kill him. You didn't promise to kill him. I, I promised not to kill him, but you haven't promised. Kill him. And then he says, you see Joab and his brother, take them off. They are warriors. When you put generals and you talk about GDP, they'll give you trouble. Because Solomon was not interested in war. Solomon made friends with all his dad's enemies. Solomon discovered copper. Solomon started a trade link. Now they were, the nation was going to make wealth through economic transactions. You see, God has a season for every nation, every community, every family, every home. And so we need to be in tune. That's why when you're too late, by the time you come with your sword, we would already be talking GDP. We are no longer interested in the sword. Let me reverse that. You don't believe me. You remember most. Moses, big Moses. Moses is the first prime minister. He's the first person to set up a na the nation of Israel. He brings public policy, infrastructure into place. He, he, he designs how a nation ought to run. By, he builds a tabernacle. Everything that calls for administration of a government has already been done. By the time Joshua takes over, nothing needs to be built. That's why Joshua doesn't, God didn't kill Moses off. Let me tell you, God retired him off because his competencies and his skill were no longer relevant for the new season that Israel was going on. And the next moment was that when you start the book of Joshua, nothing is being built. Suddenly there's a confederacy of armies that are coming against Israel. That's why God needed somebody who was very competent with a sword to rule. If you keep postponing fulfilling purpose, by the time you show up, nobody will need it. Say, la, pause, think about it. God works everything according to a timeline. 
By the way, he says, the Egyptians you saw yesterday, you will see them no more. You know why he said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you still with me this morning? I'm excited. I haven't slept a wink since yesterday. Oh, I'm a high on something and I haven't sniffed it. I haven't shot it. I'm just high concerning Jesus this morning. Glory to God. You won't believe it. I'm in my hotel room and I'm going, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Sorry. I think it came from that man. I look over Singapore today and I declare Jesus is Lord. We bring every high thing will bring our nation into conformity. Time is now. God has something for Singapore to do. This church is in the middle of being engaged for what God wants to do. You're not here by chance. Take up. Hear the cry of heaven. And say, God, I connect. And even if you don't qualify, I, I, I'm just diverting a little bit. I learned something for a guy. You know, you can learn many things from many characters in Scripture. And one of my, the, my teachers in Scripture is a guy called Cain. You think, what does a murderer have to go to teach Celia? Sir, when God told him, get out of my face and out of my presence, he knew once God takes the glory away, he's finished. He himself said this. He said, your glory covers me. As soon as you take it away, I'm exposed. Anybody can kill me. He says, God, I refuse to take that harsh punishment. Ameliorate it. Soften it. And God listened to him. From that day on, I said, I'm not going to sit back and accept everything that happens to me. There is a mercy of God. There is a goodness of God. There is a good purposes of God. I'm pushing you and I'm challenging you. Go to God and ask him something. Go to God and say, God, if you can't find anybody, I'm here. One day I told God, don't ever say you can't find anybody because I've been in your face for a long time. <laughs> Never mind the number of times he has had to drag me. But is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Listen, he says, the Egyptians you saw yesterday, you won't see them anymore. It doesn't mean, and Israel never fought the Egyptians again. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be any battle. But you know, Egypt represents a limit, a captive place. When you were born again, you came out of Egypt. Now you're going to fight wars. But the rest of the wars you are going to fight now are not the wars to be delivered, are not the wars to be free anymore. They are wars to conquer and take territory. So most of us come to Jesus and we think all is well. No, it's not well. Get ready for the greater war. And that's one of taking territories. Esther, Mordecai tells Esther, Esther, you are in for the kingdom for such a time as this because everything God does is time sensitive. According to Miles Monroe, everything in life has purpose. Everyone on this planet was born with and for a purpose. It is this purpose that is the only source of meaning. Without purpose, life is an experiment or a haphazard journey that will result in frustration, disappointment, and failure. Without purpose, life becomes subjective. It will be ruled by environmental influences and circumstances of the moment and likewise in the absence of purpose time will never have precision pause think about it I have come to realize many people come for counsel they are frustrated they are disappointed there's always something wrong with their church until I realize when you have no sense of purpose nothing will satisfy that void let me tell you something. No matter how many followers you have on social media, it won't satisfy that void. Take that time you spend all the time twirling, sending your photo. I don't even understand how any photo gets people. Anyway, we won't go there. 
I don't get how somebody changes their clothes and then they snug a little scripture at the bottom. What has that got to do with Jesus? <laughs> and every one of us thinks that's what it is. No. Think about it. You take a lot of time to craft a persona on social media, but we don't take a lot of time to craft something in pursuit of the purposes of God. The only reason why you're here. So what is purpose? Purpose means the original intent for something. It is the reason for your existence. Some questions you must ask yourself, where am I going? What's my direction? Why am I here? What's the reason I'm here? What is my life about? How must I live this life? Because every calling and every purpose has a separate uh, lifestyle. How do I want to finish this? I'm going to just read very, very quickly Judges chapter 13 to you. I love this, and, and you can go home and, and do this. You know, God promises um, um, a man and his wife um, a child. And this is what he says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. His lifestyle is being described. Every one of our purposes has a unique lifestyle. Stop copying other people. Jesus and John were contemporaries. John lived in the backside of the desert, eating locusts. Jesus was having a great time partying. I got Jesus' number, by the way. I figured him out. Every time he needed a good dinner, he'd heal somebody and invite himself to lunch. <laughs> Go read the Bible. <laughs> All right, Zacchaeus. You have an agenda. I have one. Salvation, but always having dinner in your house. And said, he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. God promises a son, but notice, God says exactly what that boy will be doing. He'll be for the deliverance of Israel. We have been hard on Samson. We thought he was a failure. God put him in the, in, in the hall of faith, you know. He finished it. He didn't finish the completion of the destruction of Philistine. God said he would begin something. He was a catalyst anointing. He would trigger something. And when he was out there and the Philistines captured him, his hair was growing. God sent me to tell somebody, you may have made some great mistakes in your life, but your hair has been growing when you didn't look. Your hair has been growing in the time being. You're back with your strength. In one day, he killed more than the totality of his life. He finished. Please, I don't have time to delve into this scripture, but I want you to go here and I want you to, for every parent, pastor, really, when people are pregnant, they are so happy to carry a baby, they never ask the right questions. I said to my church folk once, I said, listen, when you come for dedication, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what did God say about this child? It's not my responsibility to hear for the child for you, it's your responsibility to hear about the child Listen what Manoah, Samson's dad said, when he came home and his wife told him, that the angel had come to prophesy. He says, he went to God and he says, Oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent to us again teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. If my daddy and my mommy had said this to God, I would have been further along my path of destiny. Every parent here is obligated to go ask. What, you know when the Bible says train up a child in the way that he should go? It didn't just say train him manners and teach him a few scriptures. There is a way that that child should go. Every child has a unique call. Every single child. Even where you live. God comes to a man and says, I want you to relocate. I want you to leave this place. And I want you for the next few years live in Egypt because it's good for your child. It wasn't good for economics. It was good for the child. 
You know what we do? We just look at some luxury place and say, I want that. Is it good for your family? Is it good for your purpose? Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I, I, I'm serious. I, I don't have time. She, she gave me, I've got five or six minutes more. She, I got, I'm an instruction this morning. No, seriously. I'm compressing in two hours into half an hour right now. Do you know why this is important? Because how you nurture that child is important. Listen to me. Let me just go back to scripture. And then Manoah said, so God, send us that angel because he only gave us half information. And when the angel came, I love Manoah. He asked the angel, are you the first one that came or are you a second one? Because if you're the second one, I'm not interested until I've had answers to the first one. I love this guy. He's serious. I love this guy. Now he says, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? This is what every parent has to do. You go to God and say, what will be this child's rule of life? We're more interested in the schools they attend and the academics than we are in the purposes of God for their lives. What rule of life? What must we do? And God says, listen, you think parents are detached? God says to the woman, he says, do as I've told, I've told you. What have you told the woman? He told the woman, don't drink. The boy mustn't drink. The woman doesn't drink. The man was allowed to drink. Okay? The man was allowed to drink. But he said, if the woman drinks, the boy, and she suckles the guy, the, 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 the alcohol will pass through her breast milk and the guy will, the baby will drink it. And that she was meant to protect, she will destroy every single parent in this place. You have a responsibility to hear from God so that you don't sabotage the purposes of God for your children. We have something to do. Man, purpose is big. It's big. I don't even have time. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, he says. How must I live? What's my lifestyle? How do I finish this? Obedience is a key to influence. Obedience is a great key to influence. I love it. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showed his handiwork. Remember at the beginning of Genesis, God told the, the, uh, uh, the sun, you shall do this, come at this time, and when you come, the moon will retreat. And, 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 and the moon will come at a certain time to provide day and night. They still do it, but listen to the effects. Day unto day, they are speaking about something. Their voice is heard night after night. And the Bible says this is their influence as they obey God's command in the heavens. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. They penetrate everything. Their line, uh, their sound has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. No amount of somebody pouring oil on you and putting their hands on you will give you this kind of influence that obedience will. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you. Your calling doesn't start now. It started in your mother's womb. You never hear me say when my calling came. What you'll hear me say is when I recognized. Because it already started. Your entrance onto the earth showed that the earth needed you. <laughs> I just want to finish. I'm going to finish. Kelvin, you didn't think I was sparing you today, did you? Therefore, listen to what Paul says as we finish. 1 Corinthians 9.26 Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So I run with purpose in every step. And I'm not just shadow boxing. 
you like boxing? Sharon, come. Who, who, who boxes here? Who's a guy who, who likes, who knows about boxing? You know. Do I have any guys here? I promise not to bite. Anybody who wants to box with me? You don't know boxing? He looks like one. Yeah, I think so. You do want to come up. So Paul says, I don't, I, don't live, I don't fight the good fight of life as one who beats the air. So Sharon, let's fight. This is how women fight. We fight cards, fights, okay? <laughs> you notice I nearly tripped. So we do this. Come on, let's fight. Okay, all right. Okay, no, let's, let's fight. Okay. What kind of fight is this? She's already <laughs> Don't laugh, my time is going. I got a minute and a half. You know. You see, she nearly tripped, I nearly tripped. This thing is not going anywhere. Paul says, he says, I don't do life as though I'm just gonna find something to hit. You use more energy. Everything, your purpose is so unique, it is specific. Otherwise, how can you say, I have finished my course? Every, it is. Jesus says, I finish. At some point time in Paul's life, he says, he says I, I have not yet fully apprehended that for which Jesus apprehended me. This one thing I do. I press toward the mark of the high court. Another time in 2 Timothy, he never said that. He said, oh, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. Henceforth is late. He's not asking to press on anymore. He says, I'm done. How do you know when you are done? If it's not specific. If it's not geographic. Jesus says, I'm called to the lost house of Israel. Acts 9, Paul says, God tells Paul, I'm calling you to Gentiles, to kings and Jews in that order. Of all of the apostles, he was the only one when they arrested him, he would stand before kings. He was the only one who appealed to stand before Caesar. And they said, you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. He was the only one that Sergius Paulus and kings and influencers wanted to hear the gospel from. It didn't make him any better than the others. The others were always to the Jews. And even when Jesus says, go ye into all the world, what he was doing is he was removing an embargo. While he was on earth, he was geographically limited. But when he was going, he released the people to go out into the world. Your, your purpose is not general, it's specific. Everything you can't measure, you can't grow. Everything you can't grow will dissipate into waste. Now, come on. Paul says, I'm boxing. You know, Sharon came like this. When we box, we come like this. Do you notice, as soon as I entered the boxing ring, you see how my body positioned? Paul says, I positioned my life, I postured. By the time you get into the, the boxing ring, you have studied your opponent's weaknesses already. I know what his weakness is. I know that he's, he's one bantam weight. You know, I know where, that his left hook is dangerous. You don't just do life anyhow. Paul chose the cities that he was going to do, go to on purpose. He was quite intentional, very, very deliberate. <laughs> you see, I'm looking for an opening. I'm going to beat this man to a pulp. <laughs> you know, there was a Ghanaian boxer, there was a Ghanaian boxer who conquered an Irish man. And when they asked him, um, how, because they all looked down on the African man, he couldn't speak English very well. They asked him how he beat the man. He says, he said the man came bobbing. You know, many of us in our lives, we are bobbing. This is bobbing. It looks good, right? 
He says, but I came jabbing. This morning, have you been jabbing or bobbing? Many of us have been moving in the religious circles. Looks good. We say the right thing. We ain't hitting nothing. And many of us are hitting something. And if you're hitting something, be like Paul. You still have not fully apprehended that for which Jesus apprehended you. So this one thing you do from this day forth, you're going to press toward the mark of the high call that is in Christ Jesus. Rise to your feet and lift up your hands. Somebody says, yes. Lord, I'm ready. Ready to do your will. I say yes. Equip me. Show me what I ought to do. You came to Paul. You were very explicit in what you called him to do. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do your will. I'm ready to go wherever you send me. That's the only thing the Holy Ghost needs to hear right now. Your yes. Your yes. Your yes. Your yes. Your yes. Your yes. Somebody say yes to him. Somebody say yes. Right now, your yes is a weapon. Your yes is a weapon. Say, I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you withholding nothing Lord I will go where you send me I will do God yeah give me your heart God how will I know what God has called me to do he said the Holy Ghost knows the heart of God if you ask him he will show you it is the glory of God to conceal a matter but it is the glory of kings to unveil it may the spirit of revelation concerning your call concerning your purpose come upon you today may God visit your dreams may he direct you may he arrest you in every way that is necessary but tomorrow by this time there's a rising there's a rising there's a rising there's an agitation may God unburden you with the same things that break his heart don't just drink through life let something touch you so Holy Spirit we honor you in this place this morning all we can say God I'll do what you say do Lord, I'll do what you say, do, I'll do what you say, do. So use us, Lord, to show somebody the way and enable us to say, God, our storage is empty. But we're available. We're available. We're available to everybody under the sound of my voice. Take us by the hand and draw us where we ought to be. There's an army rising, God. With everybody occupying where they ought to be. With everybody achieving the sword of purpose. With everybody's face set like flint this morning. To prevail in kingdom affairs. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.